Hello, dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to the What God Is Not podcast. I'm going to say the wrong name. I know I am one of these days. Welcome <laughs> to the What God Is Not podcast. I'm the veteran podcaster, Father Michael O'Loughlin, here with the noob podcaster, Sister, Sister Natalia, Natalia yeah. of Christ the Bridegroom. Is that how we say your name? Maybe Christ the Bridegroom Monastery. I was told not to use your last name, so I'm trying to. How do I introduce you, Sister Natalia of Christ the, Christ Bridegroom, the Monastery. Bridegroom Monastery? Yes. Is that what's on your business cards? Christ the Bridegroom Monastery. <laughs> we don't have like individual your, your business name, cards. Your, We're none. Your name on your business cards. <laughs> what, what's what's your name on your TikTok account? I don't. I don't even know what TikTok is. <laughs> I know that kids I, dance on it. That's about. I'm, I, I'm starting out. I'm starting out by embarrassing you. I don't have one either. I just. I just know it exists. Okay, so uh, Sister Natalia, um, I'm going to introduce you since this is our first episode. I'm going to introduce you, then have you introduce me. All right. Oh, I didn't know this was happening. This is so fun. I decided this this morning. So. Um, what God is Not is a brand new podcast, obviously, with uh, Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia of Christ the Bridegroom Monastery. And <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. We're just hoping that our Lord takes a hold of this and runs with it and, and allows us to tag out and, and uh, moves hearts. And we want to talk about uh, apophatic theology. That's what What God is Not refers to. It's um, a relationship with God based upon knowing that we are ineloquent and incapable of knowing what God is fully. And so it's a very Byzantine, a very Eastern thing to stand in humility and also awe and wonder of who God is um, by knowing what he's not and saying he's always going to be bigger and better, more true, more good, more beautiful than any of our concepts, anything that our created minds um, can come up with. He's always going to be bigger and better than that. And then we, we treasure the opportunity for awe. I think the, the subtitle will be a Byzantine Catholic podcast on mystery because mystery is such a pervasive and uh, mysterious in its multiple uses way of encountering God. So um, that, that's what we're doing here. That's what we're trying to do here. So Sister Natalia Olson. Um, no, you're not. Sorry. Oh, snap. <laughs> See, for, for, first try, first try. Um, Sister Natalia of Christ the Bridegroom Monastery, I met when she was Victoria Olson. Um, she had just had a reversion to the faith. Uh, grew up Catholic, had a reversion in college. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, sister, uh, had a reversion in college and then went on one date with a dude who was a parishioner of mine in Denver at a Holy Protection Mother of God. And he brought her to church like any uh, any good guy should. And she never looked back. I don't, did you ever go on a second date with him? Uh, no. No. No, wait, no. Um. You did not. So anyway, but she she fell in love with the Byzantine Divine Liturgy. Was that your first Byzantine Divine Liturgy ever, sister? Yeah, first liturgy it ever. It was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first liturgy ever brought by a guy. Um, you'll see a recurring theme here. And uh, brought by a guy to church. <laughs> and uh, and never looked back. And we we you pretty much within a week or two asked me to be your spiritual father, right? Yeah. I Which I was totally honored to do. And then I was able to walk with her over years. And... Uh, watch reverently at what our Lord was doing in her life and calling her to the monastic life 
over the course of, you know, what, four or five years of, of denying it, rejecting it, <laughs> refusing to follow Christ. No, I'm just kidding. And, 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 and encountering this, this experience of um, discernment. And then she joined, uh, joined and to discern monastic life at Christ Bridegroom Monastery. I knew uh, Mother Theodora. I've known Mother Theodora for a long time, who's the hegumena, the abbess, if you will, of Christ Bridegroom Monastery. By the way, couple, uh, for those of you who are new, we call it a monastery in the, in the Eastern church, you call men's and women's houses of uh, ascetical life. In other words, monks and nuns, you call them all monasteries. And the thing, one of the things I'm most excited about is that also for those of you that are new to the Byzantine way of doing things, uh, sister should have taken her, made her final profession this coming Sunday, Saturday. No, No, it would have been Sunday. It would have been Mother's Day. So we are, we of those of you listening in the future, this is uh, May of 2020, May 6th to be exact. And if you know your history, this is in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. And so (laughs) of all the things that sister has had to sacrifice, that's what part of an ascetical life, right? Prayer, fasting, almsgiving, something she's had to give up in in addition to a husband and kids (laughs) is, is, is the date of her, of her final profession. So, um, we, my, my goal was, I've been thinking about this and, and conniving and plotting for a long time of having her on this podcast. My goal was we were supposed to be on retreat today. Today was the last day of the retreat I was going to, we were going to be on. And then tomorrow we were going to fly to Cleveland and, yeah. uh, and, and do this. So anyway, I was, I, what I wanted to have one podcast with her still called sister, because in the Byzantine tradition, as soon as you take your final profession, you are called mother. So you have a monastery full of mothers. And I love this is beautiful because it shows that the church has churches like a family, you have mothers and fathers, and it's not just a woman is not just the mother of a convent or a monastery, but she's actually a mother of the church. So once she's taken her final profession, she takes on that motherly role for the whole church, just like any man who's a monk, even if he's not a priest in the Byzantine tradition, is called father. Even sometimes in some traditions and some places, they call seminarians father. You know, As long as if you're moving towards a leadership role in the church, they start calling you mother and father. Um, so this podcast will, God willing and sister willing, as I joke with her and say, if Jesus will still have you, um, <laughs> when, when, when she takes her final profession, it'll be Father Michael and Mother Natalia. So I, it's, I'm, I, this is one of the things that really struck me in discerning what this podcast is going to be. So she has, you've been at Christ the Bregor Monastery Sister for five years now? Um, yeah, it'll be five years in a few months. Mm-hmm. It'll be five years in a few months. So she's been there discerning. Uh, very important is still discerning, and as we joke, God is giving her longer time to uh, to decide through discernment that this is not her call. Um, I, I know her. I told heart. him it wasn't wise. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I know your heart. I've been very honored for you to share your heart with me for years now. I know your heart. Um, I, I treasure your discernment. So I don't want to say too much. I don't want to speak out of turn here, but um, it definitely feels like our Lord's moving you, that dire- you in that direction and that he He wants you to be um, a mother of the church and and his spouse and, and a nun forever. So um, so yeah, so I was going to, we were going to have like one episode with Sister Natalia and then everything after that was going to be Mother Natalia. So we don't quite know when you'll, when and if you'll become mother, you're still in that discernment. But I do want to say that the reason why 
I feel that our Lord wants you to do a podcast. And the reason why I want you to do a podcast certainly is because of the intensity of your relationship with our Lord and the way that you speak to him and the way that he speaks to you. Um, I have been very, very honored to hear from you what he's done and to even observe what he's done. And I, I, I feel incredibly um, fed and nourished by your relationship with him, sister. And I, I, I feel this, this needs to be shared. Every gift that we receive from our Lord needs to be shared for it to grow in effectiveness in our life as well as the life of others. So um, I, I figured a podcast was a great way to just give the world a window into the relationship that Sister Natalia of Christ Beggar Monastery has with our Lord Jesus Christ. And also I think there's a, a need for evangelization and and the sharing of life, the vulnerability, the interdependence, the community life that that you have. And so it's this this podcast is going to be an insight, I hope, into the ineffable, inconceivable, invisible, incomprehensibleness of God primarily, of course, that, that we all may have moments of conversion, metanoia, and desire to undergo theosis, union with God even more, but it's also an insight into the way that that is lived out in the life of a priest, a Byzantine Catholic priest, and a Byzantine Catholic nun. And I'm really excited about that. So, um, yeah, that's uh, Sister Natalia. And uh, hopefully soon, if God wills, if he'll still have her, and if she wills, she'll still <laughs> have him uh, soon, Mother Natalia. And she lives in community with... Five other nuns, correct? Yeah, we we have a nun. We have a nun from Ukraine staying with us for a year or two right, right now. But um, okay, so six other, including her, but she's just visiting. So six other, beautiful out out in Burton, Ohio, about forty five minutes east of Cleveland. Right. All right, that is my my on the spot bio of Sister Natalia. So if you'll introduce me, please, Sister, on All this right. on the spot. I, yeah, I feel like this is a little unfair because you had this idea this morning and I'm only now just hearing about morning. it. <laughs> I still just made it up as I went, so. Yeah, well. You'll have, you'll have every opportunity to put me on the spot in the future, I promise you. But <laughs> for now, I'm starting <laughs> out by doing it to you. Okay, so Father Michael Lachlan um, grew up in Albuquerque yep. and grew up uh, as a Roman Catholic until you were a teenager, is that right? See, you said going yes. to the Byzantine, yeah. Um, so, and then his whole family kind of transitioned into the the Byzantine Church, and then ordained a priest in two thousand five. Wow! Yes, May twenty fifth. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I met him. So for the first. For the first year or so, you were just um, covering at different parishes, right? For the first, let me see, I was ordained in May and I became pastor June 22nd. So like, oh, yeah, so two just months. the first month. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Couple months, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then he was pastor at Holy Protection of the Mother of God, Byzantine Catholic Church. Shout it's out. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Holy Shout out to people. Holy Protection. Love you guys. Um, <laughs> and that's uh, that's where I met him in 2011, as he mentioned. Um, just to clarify, that guy didn't like. We didn't go on a date until later. Um, Would he say the eventually. same thing? Okay, I, I think so. <laughs> he, he brought you in to impress you with with his Byzantine spirituality. That might be true. That might. Totally <laughs> he, he knew well, what he was doing. <laughs> um, 
yeah. So I, I met Father Michael Lachlan there. Um, and I wish the listeners could see all the eye rolls. This is <laughs> There's <laughs> a also a little bit rolls. of blushing. Yes. <laughs> um, I've been rolling my eyes at you for nine years now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Father Michael, incredible pastor, incredible father um, to, to his spiritual children. And it's been really beautiful for me over the past nine years to experience that fatherhood and to see it progress. Um, Father Michael, with, with mother's permission, helped me to um, choose my name, um, to choose the names that I would submit for tonsure. Um, and I thought that was just a really beautiful representation of his fatherhood to be able to help name a child. Um, and at my life profession, he will walk down the aisle with me. So that's pretty cool too. Um, so anyways, yeah, beautiful fatherhood. He is very charismatic. Um, I'm going to call you out on being a horrible with administrative work, but (laughs) everybody Um, knows that I'm getting better. (laughs) I I am like, I'm sitting right now in my office in LA and my desk is relatively organized and the files are great. I am growing. I am. I am still a child in many ways. <laughs> I, I am getting better. I am having metanoias. I'm having little conversions with that. Thank God. <laughs> but um, pastorally, fatherly, he has a really beautiful soul and has improved and saved so many lives. And um, it's been really cool to see his ministry, especially. Um, to those in the secular community, um, he just really has this gift of of loving on people to the full, and and of preaching the truth with with charity um, and without watering it down. And that's been really beautiful to see. So that's what I got on the spot. Me cry, sister. Goodness. Oh please. Well, thank you. No, it's I'm not that totally hard serious. to make you cry. That's not. That's true. But <laughs> <laughs> I've I didn't cry during many homilies. <laughs> I have, I have. Okay, awesome. Thank you for that. So um, I thought, sister, and I did hint this to you, that we could talk a little bit on this podcast about the discernment that you are still undergoing. So I had this great experience when I moved here to LA, when Bishop moved me here. I ran into, I think, the first student I met, now Anne-Marie Grumbine, shout out. I met her at LAX when I flew into start taking classes at Thomas Aquinas College. And I met her and a couple other students at the airport. And I met her again almost 20 years later when I got moved out here to serve in LA. And it was so funny. Uh, she has, her and her husband, Anthony, have nine children, I believe. And I have been a priest for 15 years. And it was just so funny to see someone who I knew in college. And then I this when I went to Steubenville, same thing, to be able to say how much of our lives when we were in college and before we were married or ordained, how much of our lives were like saturated with discernment? Mm-hmm. You know, am, am I going to be celibate? Am I going to be married? Am I going to be a priest? Am I going to be a nun? Like that, that's, that, was, that was college for me. You know, what does God want me to do? And so there was something so beautiful about me, one of my first friends at TAC, seeing all of a sudden vocation fulfilled. Here she is, married, nine kids, living the beautiful life uh, of a wonderful Catholic wife and mother, and and you know 
student and and leader and all these things that she is, all of that's been fulfilled and all the all the new issues with invocation are are, are now happening. Um, and I, same thing, you know, uh, back then I, you know, wanted to be married like I think every young man does and every old man does. Um, even <laughs> if you're a celibate, there's still that desire there because we're human uh, for that companionship and for um, the the self gift, the loving someone most, being loved most, um, being able to influence and raise children in the faith, all these things that are so attractive to all of us. Every human being is put into us by God, um, but that's been fulfilled. We we now know in faith that we are called to the vocations that we are now living, and it was it was just a beautiful moment of rest. I had not seen her since she was married and I was ordained, and so it was this great conversation we had about vocations being fulfilled. So there's something right now, sister, about you are still. You are still, whether it's for one podcast or 15, <laughs> you are you are still, even though you are, I know, resting in God's vocation for you and your own knowledge of that and the church is calling you to that, you are still in that moment of it's not known yet because we're in time and space and, and we're still in the time when you can discern that God's calling you to something else, namely marriage or, or out of the vocation to celibacy and, and monastic life. So I really wanted to, in this moment before it's sure, because I think you, our interaction and and your your um, eloquence about our Lord and your evangelization to the world is going to change once this has been totally settled. And I hope you have a lot of peace in that. I know you have a lot of peace now too, but I'd really like to talk about discernment in this podcast and and how our Lord has guided you and how our Lord has spoken to you for those who are still discerning or just want to hear a testimonial witness of, of discernment that has happened, that has been fruitful. So what, what are your first thoughts on, on your own discernment? You can, you can tell your story. You can talk about general principles. You can talk about our Lord and, and how your experience of him and his call, anything like that that you could share with those who are, who are interested in what discernment is. Sure. Yeah, I can, I can say, um, first of all, that I think that it's important to talk about, you, you say, in part for those who are currently discerning, um, but I think that it's important to remember that we're all discerning some things. Um, so even if, even if some of the listeners are not discerning their capital V vocation right now, um, it's still important to, to learn the principles of discernment so that we can apply that to um, relationships that we're seeking out, romantic or otherwise, and um, or even like what books are the best for us to be reading, things like that. I think that it applies all in in the small and the large circumstances um, because we we should be desiring to seek out God's will in everything that we're doing, not just in what seem to us to be the major decisions of our lives. Mm-hmm. So so there's that, and yeah, I can I can speak a little bit to my vocation story. And then, you know, we can flesh that out on other podcasts because it's not a short story, as you know. Yep, there should be, well, if you have something in mind, go ahead and do that. If not, I'll ask you some very specific questions because again, I agree with you. Like th- that story, it could be, is, is going to be elaborated on and gone deeper into over time in, in this podcast. But um, do you have anything that first strikes you that would be good to share here on this first one? Um. It's it's not really about discernment, but I, I want to make clear because of something that you said about desiring a family and desiring um, marriage as you did, as you do, as I did, as I do. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to make very clear that that is the truth for celibates as well. 
And I know people are often surprised to hear that. Uh, I had, I remember I was telling my vocation story to someone uh, several months ago and I was just at the beginning and I told her that, um, that I had this reversion because I had a crush on a guy, different guy than the one you were referring to earlier. As you said, it's going to be a repeated <sighs> theme. Um, <laughs> Shocked. <laughs> and so I, I told her, I said, well, I came back to the church because I had a crush on a guy and sweet, sweet old lady. And she just says, you mean Jesus? <laughs> I was like, no, his name was Eric. Um, his name's not Eric. I just used a fake name. But <laughs> um, Shout out to Eric, whatever Eric's doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's important to remember because as, as we talk about discernment, our desires are very much a part of that and, and at points are indicative of the Lord's will for us. Um, but we need to see, I think we need to see the, the depth of our desires and our purified desires, not just what it seems on the surface. Because, because like you're saying, everyone has a natural desire um, for, for marriage because celibacy is not a natural call. It's a supernatural call. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would, that would be my first point is to just remember that. And I guess that does tie in in the sense of um, our desires are indicative, but they're not conclusive. Yeah. I, I've realized, and I've told you this before, sister, of course, that there's, and, and I, I talked to a seminarian one time, a, a Roman Catholic seminarian, and he was saying, somehow he heard me say somewhere that God does not, that there's this kind of this romanticized view of discernment that I've heard elsewhere, where in other words, if God calls us to celibacy, to not be married, in other words, not have kids, that that he's somehow gonna fulfill our every human and natural desire in our vocation that he's going to say, okay, you might not have a wife, but you'll, you'll be quote married to the church, or you will have this experience of the same thing you experience with your wife, the, the companionship, the exclusivity, the intimacy, somehow God's going to fulfill those things. And is I'm that like, going to happen after my life profession? <laughs> I know. I, I want to call, I want to call BS because it, it's, it's, it's not, I have found that not to be the case now in 15 years as a celibate. And and I, I knew going in, thank God, because of mentors and spiritual directors who said, I think the way I put it is that it is not fulfilled. Like you cannot, a church and a parish and Jesus Christ himself cannot, I mean, Jesus can, Jesus can do anything, but but he, <laughs> he, he does not, hmm. and in a way cannot fulfill the the very human experience of of being loved most by another human being, loving another human being most, and having the exclusivity and intimacy of that married relationship, um, and and it's not it wouldn't be proper to find that in parishioners or in friends or in quote soulmates or in you know the church in general that that's just not going to be the case. The the experience of having a child that is your own biological child that that you are responsible for raising in the faith and 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 guiding towards maturity and 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 making sure that they're happy and eventually independent of you all these things that you do with the child that cannot be found in in the life of a celibate it, it's just it's very very different now you and i sister are both either living celibacy or still discerning celibacy while living it um, as you are and so there's this there's definitely a where we say, yes, I don't have those experiences, but I certainly have, I would say, deeper, you know, qualitatively mm-hmm. different experiences where I, God has said, 
either you don't need those experiences or more often it's a combination of I'm going to give you the grace to not be debilitated by by not having these natural relationships, but I'm also going to teach you what you need to sacrifice. In other words, like sometimes I just say, I just want to know, Lord, what I need to sacrifice and I can sacrifice it through your power. Go ahead. It, it reminds me, no, it's fine. It reminds me of um, this prayer that you you prayed growing up. I don't know if you remember this. I remember it. Shout out to Bob and Marie O'Loughlin, who are just incredible parents. Yep. Um, but they, uh, I think it was, I think they taught you to pray this prayer of when you, when you were deeply desiring something um, to pray, Lord, either give me this thing that I deeply desire um, or, or help me to not, help me to be okay without it. Basically is that, um, do you know what I'm referring to? Or do I remember your childhood better than you? That was my mom. No, no, absolutely. That, that was, that was one thing that really struck me again. Yeah. Like what you said, either please give me this thing I desire so much or the ability to live without it. Mm-hmm. Or, or to to thrive without it, you know, to be without it, um, and that's so a beautiful prayer. And that's that's yeah, that's beautiful prayer. And I think it's a prayer that that Christ would pray as well. And it yeah, right, and it's a prayer that 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 prevents despair, mm-hmm. because I think it, it's so often that that and this is this is my meditation upon hell. I mean, my the hell is wanting something so much that at, at the core of your being you desire this thing. And and knowing you're never going to have it, and I don't mean God, I mean sin. Mm-hmm. In other words, desiring sin, you we live our life changing our being, if you will, into being addicted to sin and desiring it and loving it and treasuring it. And there is no sin in hell. So what I'm addicted to, I can no longer have. And I know, since I'm now in eternity, I know I will never have it. I cannot imagine a greater despair than that of saying. What I want, I cannot live without, and yet I will live without for all eternity. That that is that is definitely hell. So, I, there, this is why we need to purge ourselves of, of sins here in the world. But so that's why the celibate has to say, "I desire the the basic human need of a spouse and even children." You know that we don't. Everybody who gets married, of course, isn't gifted with children. But there's something about that saying at the core of my being, I need these things. And then to say, I'm going to sacrifice them in this world for fulfillment to the next. In other words, the exclusivity and intimacy. That's why. What does the Bible say? There's no marriage in heaven, right? I mean, there, there's not. I'm going to have those those desires that I that are natural to me fulfilled, even if it's only in, in the world to come, even if it's only in eternity. And so. I will be fulfilled as God knows I need to be in this world through a relationship with him. And, and, and I will be able to empty myself for him, for the church, for my parishioners, for the world in prayer, whatever it is. I can empty myself in that way as a spouse does and as a parent does. I can empty myself, but I, I still know as a celibate, I'm sure you can say the same thing, sister. I still know that even the human fulfillment even the human needs and those things will be fulfilled one day in in the next world in heaven and and God willing I I get there uh, with fear and trembling I I work on that and then I can say whatever it is that makes me desire that aspect of love that is fulfilled in marriage and children I will have one day and in the meantime I am graced in other ways in deeper ways by my, my relationship with Christ who fulfills all things but then I also say there are certain things I just need to sacrifice. Everybody sacrifices, parents and married people. They all have sacrifices. We all sacrifice and sacrifice is love. 
I, I am, I, I am, my suffering is gifted as sacrifice. It's suffering becomes sacrifice, becomes love when I do it. So I can say, what things do I sacrifice, Lord? And he says, you're going to see, you're going to see happily married people and you're going to see joyful families like my friend Emery and uh, I talked about, and, and you're going to, there's going to be this little twinge, this little <laughs> turn in your stomach and, and in your heart that says, oh Lord, that is so beautiful. And then, and then he's going to say, turn back to me. You're, you're, you're called to live an ascetic life and you're called to sacrifice that out of love. Just like they're called to sacrifice the freedoms that come with celibacy <laughs> out of love if, if they're called to marriage. So yeah, and, and I think as long as we have hope that avoids despair, hope that I will feel this one day, have even my natural aspects fulfilled. And then also the, I, I, am, I am sacrificing these things as a gift and that itself is fulfilling. And then of course I get the consolation directly from Christ that a celibate gets. Yeah, and and I think that um, it's also a matter of it's it's the sacrifice, but it's also the gift that those desires are. Um, mm, yeah, like I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even want to pray to lose those desires, um, though they can at times be very painful because I think that that those particular desires um, actually intensify what we can give as celibates. Because if if I don't desire a husband, it's much more difficult for me to love Christ as my spouse. And if I don't desire children, um, it's much more difficult for me to give of myself to, to the children that God puts in my life. Um, and like, is that, is that an Isaiah that here am I together with the children given me? Uh, it's during Great Compline. That's Isaiah, so, yeah? Now you're calling me out. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Okay. I think it's Isaiah. Okay. Um, but it's like, if if we didn't have those desires, I think that, I, I wouldn't say that we we would be less fruitful as celibates, but our, our fruitfulness would be more difficult because I, I don't want to discourage anyone who, who doesn't have those natural desires. Um, like I wouldn't want to discourage a woman who who doesn't desire marriage to not discern celibacy, um, but I because I think that God will provide the grace for that as well in that situation. But but I do think that those desires very much intensify the fruitfulness that we have as celibates. That is really beautiful. Um, that kind of blew my mind when you first said it. So let me ask you this um, because I think that's very very true. We it's like we need to be thankful for the desires that go unfulfilled in, in a certain way. They, they're fulfilled in one way, namely in Christ and in our vocation and the sacrifice, but they are also unfulfilled in the fact that we have chosen to respond to Christ's call to be without those things and, and to give up those things as a gift. And my sacrifice of those things become a gift to the church, to Christ, to the world that I serve. Um, but in the moment, sister, in the moment when I am feeling that tinge and that that urge and that that desire for these things that can that can seem debilitating. Do you have any word on how to see it as beautiful in the moment? Hmm. That's a really great question. Um, I often struggle to see the beauty of it in the moment. A, a story that comes to mind is when I when I first entered the monastery. Um, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. <laughs> when oh, I first entered the monastery, um, I mean, one of my one of my greatest pains. I had the pains of 
of leaving Colorado, which I love very much, of leaving the job that I loved, um, the friends that I love, the parish that I love, and and all of that. Um, and I had already kind of, my parents had already moved away at that point, so I was already um, separated from them a bit. But one of my greatest pains was having to say goodbye to you. Um, and so for my first quite a while at the monastery, I just was like really sitting in the intense pain of, of being separated from you, um, from my spiritual father, because you've just walked beside me for so long at that point, um, much longer now. And, and when I, when I brought that to mother, um, in one of our meetings, I just said, mother, this pain is so intense and it is just, I don't even know what to do with it. Um, and she said, she said, well, you thank God for it. And I was like, um, what? <laughs> um, and she said, she said, the pain is in proportion to the love that, that you feel for Father Michael. And um, if you weren't feeling this pain, it would be because you didn't have so great a love. So would you want to give up the pain if it meant not having that love? And I said, of course not. Um, and so I think just trying to remember that in the moment that, um, that this this pain at like I I feel this right when I when I go for we live in this beautiful Amish country and when I go for a run well I can't run right now but when I <laughs> when I go for a walk um and and I walk by like these adorable Amish children like the little two year olds with their little bonnets and stuff so cute um there is that that great pain in my heart um and I think that's a moment to remember that this pain is indicative of a good desire to give of myself to another human. Um, and yeah, I mean that I don't have any advice to make the pain less because I don't think that the pain lessens when you remember that. Um, but you can at least increase the appreciation without decreasing the pain. And one thing I thought about when you were saying that sister is that a practical way, cause I don't have an answer for that either, by the way. <laughs> That's what I was asking you. <laughs> um, but the, the, there, there's something, and again, our Lord's there. We don't, you don't need to hear it from us or anybody. You know, our Lord is going to be present there. You can ask him. Um, but I think there is there is something practical you can do um, because I received this last night. I, um, I broke quarantine um, to, go, to go see some uh, dear friends of mine. And uh, a couple of no families. No one can see my judgy face right now. <laughs> By the way, if you're listening, we can see each other because the <laughs> the the process of podcasting, we can see each other, even though you can't see us. But anyway, we we can uh, we can see. It's, something. God, even, it's even more jealousy I'm in, for judgment. I'm I'm in Los Angeles and she's in Burton, Ohio. Um, but uh, the I went and I was able in this in this time of pandemic and quarantine, the separation of the people from the sacraments um, is is very real, and it's it's been over a month now, and people are are really suffering and feeling that tension. And we can maybe talk about that on other podcasts and that topic. But um, but I went there and I celebrated liturgy in their home, mm. and I I was able to hear confessions and give the Eucharist and celebrate the liturgy there. And it was just it was just friend to friend. It was a gift I wanted to give my friends, but. They were they were so vocal and eloquent about how moved they were and how much they appreciated the vocation of the priesthood, and and, and they kept on 
they kept on building me up out of this this very emotional moment of of having something fulfilled that they had desired for a long time. And I thought that's something very practical that we can do. If if you are if you are married, you know, um, share your your awe, your wonder, your appreciation of the celibates, mm-hmm. um, your celibate friends and and acquaintances. What what they know, what they do, what they witness to, um, their martyrdoms, their sacrifices. Um, and you know, there was make that yoke easier for them. And I think it's also very important for us celibates to do the same thing. You can do it, of course, for people that also share your vocation. Um, you and I, sister, I hope build each other up enough in our uh, plenty, <laughs> and, and we could always do more in our celibacy. But um, you know, to to commend and to build up those who are married, and and even to 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 voice our our holy envy. You know, our our holy, um, you know, uh, non sinful appreciation of, of that life. And I, I just think we need to hear it. Um, we need to hear from others what what we do for them. And also, um, I have a, a beautiful, like you said, a beautiful desire to, 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 for what you're experiencing. And, and it helps me appreciate Christ more and my life more. Um, but I also want to, so that you are, when you feel those, when you're trying to find the beauty in the sacrifice, you're trying to find something um, positive in that moment that doesn't seem to come that that easily um you can remember the words of someone else that built you up you know and i'm very blessed i have a lot of people that built me up and i thank god for that community and it, <laughs> I, just, I just need to call on i need to guys a stereotype i know about me uh, but but i i need to call on and tap into that to to appreciate the families and to be vocal about that to build that up as well no, I was just thinking of the coffee mug can we tell us <laughs> can you tell uh, the story of the the coffee mug Sure. Um, I, I honestly, so one thing you'll you'll learn about me if you're new to Father Michael Lachlan is that I just forget a lot. I, I forget things all the time. I'm very sanguine and phlegmatic, so things just kind of go. So so I don't remember the conversation that led to the coffee mug. So how about you start that, sister? Then I'll explain the coffee mug, the Facebook debacle. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I won't go into the details of the conversation, but basically it was, we were having a conversation. <laughs> we were having a conversation about um, uh, a situation regarding morality um, okay. <laughs> about the cell phone app. The, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and so basically, um, Father Michael, <laughs> Father Michael Lachlan had been adjusting the time <laughs> on his cell phone <laughs> while playing a game in an app just so that he could like get more free turns or whatever um, instead oh, yeah, of having to great. wait an hour. Yeah, so it, that was it, on the free version of the app, you only get <laughs> like two lives and you had to wait 20 minutes for the lives to reset. Well, I figured, I found out that if you just change the time on your phone, it thinks you've waited 20 minutes. And so... <laughs> My and phone was I like said, three days. The time on my phone was three days later than it actually was because I liked the game. Um, <laughs> and I said that this is completely immoral because it's 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 going against what the I'm a little bit of a stickler for rules sometimes. Um, and Father Michael Stupid is not. <laughs> so, so, anyways, I tell him that this is immoral because um, obviously I think most people would take my side on this because the. Because the people who produce the game have every right to charge. All he had to do was pay and he wouldn't have this limitation, but he didn't want to pay for the app. So he tried to find a way around it. And I felt like that was not okay. So I told him that this was immoral and he disagreed with me. Um, I think Jesus proved me right. Do you remember what happened the next day? 
Yes, Jesus, you're right. My, my, I set my alarm without setting it back to real time. And so my alarm was set for, for like three hours earlier than it needed to be. And my phone woke me up at like two in the morning and I thought it was six in the morning and I started getting up and getting ready and then realized that because I had changed my clothes. So yeah, it was definitely a... Jesus, gotcha moment. This is the consequence <laughs> so, of your actions. <laughs> so anyways, I um, I tell him he's wrong and I'm the more moral person here. And um, which is, anyways. So I then go and buy one of those like ceramic coffee mugs that you can paint on. And I painted something on it that said worst priest ever. Um, and I give him this mug as a gift. Instead of like world's best dad, it's yeah, it's yes. just a worst priest worst ever. Worst priest yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. So then I I take the mug. I think it's absolutely hilarious, and I post it to Facebook and just said like I think I put see how much my prisoners love me. Posted to Facebook, <laughs> and then I went to a prisoner's hockey game, and I turn my phone off, and I'm talking to his family. I'm watching the hockey game, and I I come out after the hockey game, and I check Facebook in the car, and oh my goodness. There was a, <laughs> All of my friends, God bless them on Facebook, had gotten so offended for me. <laughs> they wanted to know the oh, name man. of this parishioner. They mm-hmm. they built me up. I mean, all these words of affirmation, like, oh, no, you're you're a wonderful priest. Don't listen to anybody. It was like they were really offended. And I was like, I must have, I should have put Bazinga or something on there to say, no, it was a joke. But it was like, it was like attending your own funeral where people, think, it was like like a eulogy where people were like, no, you're amazing. I'm like, oh I think gosh, one of them was you. like, tell me who this is and I'll tell them where to put that mug. Like, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was, it was bad. <laughs> I had to respond to be like, no, no, no. I promise it was given to me by someone who loves me immensely. And it just, <laughs> it was a joke. But yeah, it was really funny how, how people came to my defense so quickly and easily. And we need to hear that. So yeah, I, I, I get the reference here, sister. We, we need to, we need to hear that and build each other up before, you know, we get a mug that says worst priest ever, <laughs> which I still have, which is still my favorite mug. So, uh, all right. Well, you know, one thing I'll, I'll finish with this because I always want to bring in the fathers and then, um, and then we can wrap this up. But um, I did, I was reading about uh, the vocation of you know, the call. Obviously, if we're trying to tie this into the scriptures, we think of, of Christ, the good shepherd, um, hearing his voice, recognizing his voice, denying the voice of the thieves who come over the fence. Um, but rather Christ is the gate and Christ is the good shepherd. And I was um, looking into the readings of the fathers and St. John Chrysostom says, and this popped to mind earlier, St. John Chrysostom says that um, he relates Christ the good shepherd and then in, from John, John 10, and then ties it back into Matthew where Christ says that he is sending us among wolves. And St. John Chrysostom says that no good shepherds sends the sheep among wolves. And yet Christ sends us into the world to be in the world, but not of the world. And so it is an interesting thing. If just to follow Christ's voice, which I think you are doing sister, which I'm doing, which families are doing to follow Christ's voice, to recognize it and to follow him um, is, is following him and being yoked with him and carrying our cross into the world where, where the tensions and the wolves will be. And so there's, I think an important part of Christian discernment as you know, when we're, when we're discerning based upon reason, you know, should we buy this house, this car moved to the city. Of course, those are always things that we need to discern in the context of Christ call. But um, we rarely say, let's move to a, a neighborhood that is violent. You know, let's move to a, let's get a car that is likely to break down. You know, that that's kind of saying, 
I, I'm, I'm putting myself, who's a sheep, among wolves. But in, in the world of discernment, you know, there is sometimes Christ, as we hear in Matthew, and this St. John Chrysostom is so eloquent about, sends us, protects us, but sends us into situations that don't seem rationally ideal. And yet, using the supernatural vocation, we know that we are protected. We know that we thrive. We know that we bring something in and we need to approach with, with humility and confidence. So there's, there's, there's that added element that, I, that maybe we can go into deeper in another podcast about what does it mean to go out of our comfort zone? What does it mean to take risks, to be challenged? And we do that by the world. And yet, of course, the wolves that we are sent to be among um, we want to lead to Christ. We want them to become sheep. And it, it's, it's, so it's kind of a, he's sending us among potential sheep, <laughs> you know, his potential sheep, as he says, I have other sheep, not in this fold that I'm welcoming in. Um, so there's something about vocation that, that is a risk. It is, there has to be self gift. And I think we, we take that risk in, in various ways. Um, you, those of you that are parents and, and married people, you, you take those same risks, risks that Christ invites us into, sends us into with his assurance of his protection. So anyway, I don't, I don't want to, I feel like I just kind of threw a grenade in without explaining it to all. Maybe, maybe we can touch <laughs> on that in a future podcast, but I think it is, it's a beautiful thing to say the vocation is sometimes beyond reason because we feel like Christ is sending us to a situation that is not helpful. And yet we need to know that it is. I had, uh, as I've shared before, the the beautiful moment I was being ordained a subdeacon, where I was I was trying to trying to find some beauty in it because I had already been ordained a lector. I knew I was going to be ordained a deacon and a priest, and subdeacon just seemed like kind of an uneventful, anticlimactic ordination. <laughs> and yet, when I was praying in an icon in Albuquerque, I heard our Lord just give me this vision of standing on a cliff and looking down and seeing clouds and not seeing the bottom of the cliff. And our Lord just be and our Lord just saying, "Jump," you know. And which is totally yeah. irrational, but, but it's this, if he asked me to jump, I know he's going to protect me, you know? And then it's, it was this beautiful moment where I think that's what St. John Christopher was referring to. The good shepherd continues to shepherd us, even though he might send us among wolves for the benefit of ourselves, our own salvation, but also of the wolves. Sure. This is, is, is it in St. Um, is it in the gospel of Mark that um, um, the whole, you will drink, you'll be able to drink poison and do you know what I'm talking about? It's in the Bible. It's somewhere in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) We're Catholics. (laughs) I'd have to look it up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, Right. So the, the things that Christ will protect. Well, we don't, we don't, as we know, we don't look for those supernatural things out of some sort of arrogance, like, oh, look, I can drink poison or I can handle rattlesnakes. But rather, right. if we are presented with those situations and God desires to protect us, and yet sometimes he doesn't as a witness. Sometimes sometimes we're asked to give our life and we we die martyrs. Um, and it's and it's like people might say, well, why didn't he save your life? Because it's not about saving life. You know, it's about saving our soul and, and an eternal life. So yeah, we could, ooh, we could talk about this forever, but we can't. <laughs> we're, we're at 47 minutes now, so. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call this one so it doesn't go too long. But any last beautiful thoughts, sister? Um, no, I guess just to let people know that I desire to share the fruits of my prayer on this podcast. And this morning, I, um, I prayed for everyone who'd be listening, and and yesterday on my retreat day as well. So I pray that that the Lord can use some of the things that we share to to help you in your growth towards Him. Amen. Amen. 
Well, let's finish and I'll, I'll give a blessing. I, I don't know how God does blessings through technology, but um, I'm going to do it anyway and see how he handles it. I do it. I do it at Lux all the time. I'm chaplain for Lux University and I, I give them blessings every night. So I, I hope he's passing them through. Let's, uh, I'll ask a canon lawyer how legit that is. But anyway, <laughs> I'm at least blessing you, sir, sir, because I can see you. But may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord grant all of you who are listening hearts that are open and hearts that recognize Christ. May he allow you to to live lives of catharsis, of the self-emptying that is required to recognize his voice, to see him clearly. As the Beatitude says, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. May you not only see God, but recognize his voice as he calls. May you recognize the cross. And even if our Lord sends you among wolves, may you walk with confidence, with protection in the valley of darkness. May you thrive in that moment. May you be willing through his power to sacrifice what you must sacrifice in order to live out the vocation God has called you to. May you build up those who are living your vocation and other vocations that they may also find community and interdependence and vocation that all that we do may be for the building up of the kingdom. May God grant you daily metanoia, daily conversion as you pilgrimage towards theosis and union with him. And may our Lord bless you as he will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Great to see you, sister. Love you. Thank you for you uh, the time. Thank you for agreeing to this. I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> Love you. God bless y'all. <laughs> <laughs>